Welcome back to the MedBullet Step 1 podcast. In this episode, we go over the topic of acute intermittent porphyria from the hematology section on MedBullets.com. Let's start this episode with a clinical snapshot. A 28-year-old woman presents with colicky abdominal pain. She fidgets around and sporadically has weeping spells reporting tingling in her fingers and toes and has no significant past medical history with no official psychiatric history. On physical exam, she is found to be tachycardic. Her abdominal exam is normal without tenderness on palpation. Neurologic exam is normal. Abdominal radiographs are completely normal. Porphobilinogen was found to be positive in high titers in her urine. This is a case of acute intermittent porphyria. Let's now get into the topic. Let's start with a brief introduction including a clinical definition of acute intermittent porphyria or AIP. Acute intermittent porphyria, or AIP, is an inherited metabolic disease resulting from deficiency in the heme synthesis pathway enzyme porphobilinogen deaminase, or PBD. With respect to the epidemiology and incidence, AIP is the most common type of acute porphyria. It is still relatively rare. With respect to the demographics, it is more common in women than in men. It typically occurs in people between 20 to 40 years of age. In terms of risk factors, female gender is the main risk factor. Let's now talk about the pathophysiology and pathobiology of AIP. AIP involves a deficiency of PBD, which is step 3 in the heme pathway. Attacks of AIP are precipitated by an exposure. Exposure increases the demand of the heme pathway. This results in accumulation of intermediates aminolivulinic acid, or ALA, and porphobilinogen, or PBG. Both are neurotoxic. Precipitating factors include drugs, smoking, infection, starvation, and fluctuating hormones such as with the menstrual cycle in women. The most common drugs that are considered precipitating factors are cytochrome P450 inducers, anticonvulsants, and oral contraceptive pills. In terms of the genetics, the inheritance pattern is autosomal dominant. The mutations involved are HMBS, also known as PBGD, encoding PBD. Relative to the prognosis of this disease, most patients fully recover. Less than 5% have recurrence. Let's now talk about the clinical presentation, including symptoms and physical exam findings of acute intermittent porphyria. Symptoms are often nonspecific and vague. Primary symptoms go by the five Ps severe abdominal pain without tenderness on palpation, neurological symptoms including polyneuropathy, seizures, weakness, and paralysis, psychiatric symptoms including anxiety and insomnia, port wine-colored urine, and precipitated by an exposure. With respect to physical exam findings, vitals would show tachycardia and hypertension, and the rest of the physical exam is often normal. In terms of the main diagnostic imaging modality, Radiographs, especially abdominal radiography, is indicated and often initially obtained due to the nonspecific nature of symptoms. Findings on radiography should be normal. With respect to lab and serum studies, you may see hyponatremia. Urine studies would yield increased porphobilinogen, aminolevulinic acid, and uroporphyrin-3. With respect to a differential diagnosis, the two main differentials to consider here would be small bowel obstruction and lead poisoning. Small bowel obstruction would involve tenderness on palpation, and lead poisoning would involve no elevated PBG in the urine. 
Let's now talk about the treatment modalities used to treat acute intermittent porphyria. Firstly, you would want to remove precipitating factors, and then medical treatment would involve the use of heme and glucose. Indications of heme and glucose would be for symptomatic attacks and to prevent permanent neurologic damage. With respect to the complications of acute intermittent porphyria, the main complication is chronic neuropathic pain. The treatment for chronic neuropathic pain is gabapentin. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. First question. A 32-year-old woman is brought to the emergency department after she started convulsing in the office. She has no previous history of seizures and recovers by the time she arrives at the emergency department. She says that over the last two days, she has also experienced insomnia, abdominal pain, and dark urine. Her past medical history is significant for asthma, however she says that she has not experienced any of these symptoms previously. She smokes one pack of cigarettes per day, drinks a glass of wine with dinner every night, and is currently taking oral contraceptive pills, or OCPs. On presentation, her temperature is 99 degrees Fahrenheit, or 37.2 degrees Celsius, blood pressure is 140 over 98 millimeters of mercury, pulse is 112 per minute, and respirations are 11 per minute. Which of the following enzymes is most likely to be defective in this patient? 1. Aminolevulinate dehydratase 2. Aminolevulinate synthase 3. Ferrochelatase 4. Porphobilinogen deaminase or 5. Uroporphyrinogen decarboxylase And the correct answer choice is answer choice 4. Porphobilinogen deaminase. This patient who experienced seizures, insomnia, abdominal pain, and dark urine after taking OCPs most likely has acute intermittent porphyria, which is caused by a defect in porphobilinogen deaminase. Remember, acute intermittent porphyria, or AIP, is an inherited metabolic disease resulting from deficiency in the heme synthesis pathway enzyme porphobilinogen deaminase, or PBD. AIP is the most common acute porphyria and presents with primary symptoms that can be remembered with the five P's mnemonic, severe abdominal pain without tenderness on palpation, neurological symptoms such as polyneuropathy, psychiatric symptoms, port wine-colored urine, and precipitated by an exposure. On physical exam, patients are often normal except for tachycardia and hypertension. Let's now review the incorrect answer choices. Answer choice 1, aminolevulinate dehydratase is inhibited by lead poisoning, however there is no evidence that this patient has lead poisoning, marked by old house, lead lines, or wrist drop, etc. Answer choice 2, aminolevulinate synthase is the rate-limiting step of porphyrin ring synthesis, however it is not defective in any of the common porphyria disorders. Answer choice 3, Ferrochelatase is inhibited by lead poisoning, however there is no evidence that this patient has lead poisoning, marked by old house, lead lines, and wrist drop, etc. And finally, answer choice 5, uroporphyrinogen decarboxylase is defective in porphyria cutanea tarda, however this disease would present with skin blistering in sunlight. In summary, acute intermittent porphyria is caused by a defect in the porphobilinogen deaminase enzyme. Next question. 
A 41-year-old African-American woman presents with her husband to her primary care doctor for evaluation of depression and anxiety. She reports a two-week history of rapid-onset sadness with no clear inciting factor. She is accompanied by her husband, who notes that she has had at least three similar episodes that have occurred over the past two years. He also notes that she has been, quote, more emotional lately and seems confused throughout the day. She has had to leave her job as a librarian at her child's elementary school. Her past medical history is notable for two diagnostic laparoscopies for recurrent episodes of abdominal pain of unknown etiology. Her family history is notable for psychosis in her mother and maternal grandfather. Her temperature is 99 degrees Fahrenheit or 37.2 degrees Celsius. Blood pressure is 125 over 75 millimeters of mercury. Pulse is 75 per minute and respirations are 17 per minute. On exam, she is disheveled and appears confused and disoriented. Her attention span is limited and she exhibits emotional lability. This patient's condition is most likely due to a defect in an enzyme that metabolizes which of the following compounds? 1. Aminolevulinic acid 2. Coproporphyrinogen 3 3. Hydroxymethylbolane 4. Porphobilinogen or 5. Protoporphyrin 9 And the correct answer choice is answer choice 4. Porphobilinogen. The patient in this vignette presents with recurrent abdominal pain and neuropsychiatric symptoms suggestive of acute intermittent porphyria, or AIP. This condition is caused by a defect in porphobilinogen deaminase, an enzyme that converts porphobilinogen to hydroxymethylbolane. Remember, porphyrias such as AIP cause symptoms due to toxic accumulation of intermediates in the heme synthesis pathway. AIP is caused by an autosomal dominant deficiency in porphobilinogen deaminase, the enzyme that converts porphobilinogen to hydroxymethylbolane. This leads to buildup of upstream intermediates including aminolevulinic acid, or ALA, and porphobilinogen. Clinically, this presents with episodic psychiatric symptoms, vague abdominal pain, and dark red or brown urine due to ALA and porphobilinogen in the urine. Of note, photosensitivity is not present in AIP because levels of downstream protoporphyrins are low or normal. Let's now review the incorrect answer choices. Answer choice 1, aminolevulinic acid, or ALA, is produced by ALA synthase and metabolized by ALA dehydratase into porphobilinogen. Answer choice 2, coproporphyrinogen 3, is produced by uroporphyrinogen decarboxylase and is subsequently metabolized into protoporphyrin 9. Answer choice 3, hydroxymethylbolane is produced by porphobilinogen deaminase and is converted to uroporphyrinogen 3. And finally, answer choice 5, protoporphyrin 9 is derived from coproporphyrinogen 3 and is converted into heme or ferrochelatase. In summary, acute intermittent porphyria is caused by a defect in porphobilinogen deaminase, an enzyme that converts porphobilinogen to hydroxymethylbolane. And that's all for this review about acute intermittent porphyria. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the MedBullets Step 1 podcast, a daily audio review session by MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on MedBullets.com, and in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the MedBullets website or mobile app while going through the topic. 
If you've gotten any value from these MedBullet Step 1 podcasts so far, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Also, if you are not already, be sure to follow MedBullets on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for daily high-yield content. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here on the MedBullets Step 1 podcast.